transform the sting of your past into purpose for today. The story of how his baby brother had a knife held to his neck, how he found God in college, how to not become bitter after having tragedy strike, how to embrace the victor mindset rather than the victim mindset, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, seven, three, with highly sought after pastor, speaker, and church leadership expert, Chris Brown. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Is life a little overwhelming right now? Do you feel like you're trying to do so many things, but you can't keep everything under control? Maybe you have a lot of goals right now, but they have competing priorities, and so it's really hard to stay focused. If that sounds like you, that's why I created the Best You Membership, to help go-getters like yourself who are ambitious move from overwhelmed to organized and in control of their life and of their goals. If you want to learn how to keep all six areas of your life health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational, all organized and in a constant state of growth, then go to nickcarrier.com slash membership. Again, nickcarrier.com slash membership. Today, you guys are going to be blown away by Chris Brown. Chris is a highly sought after pastor, speaker, and church leadership expert. He brings over 20 years of ministry and financial experience. He worked alongside Dave Ramsey for years as a nationally syndicated radio host for Life, Money, and Hope. He's been featured on national media outlets such as Fox & Friends, but most importantly, he passionately loves the local church and has served as a campus pastor at Elevation Church and executive pastor and chief financial officer at Potential Church. Before diving in, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share the episode with a friend or family member while you're listening. Just send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, then I would love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Chris Brown. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Today, I am super excited to be joined by the one and only Chris Brown. Chris, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Yeah, total honor. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, of course. So Chris has a new book coming out in towards the end of March called Restored, Transforming the Story of Your Past into Purpose for Today, which I absolutely love. And I know that I'm excited to hear some of your stories of, of tragedy. You, know, you talked about how... You've experienced some homelessness, some violence, abuse, drugs, and the loss of loved ones. And I know that's a lot of a lot of your story and a lot of your mission is to, you know, relate to people in, in, in their struggles and help them kind of get through them and see the purpose that they have. And so kind of the way I want to start today, Chris, is just talking about having you kind of give a, a little bit of a background of your story and some of those specific challenges that you've experienced and some of those specific tragedies that you've experienced and kind of why that led you to write the book in the first place. Yeah, you know, so writing a book like this, uh, there's the the concern that everyone doesn't have the same tragic past that I've had. But if I think through all the people that I've met throughout my my journey, uh, we all have a little bit of pain in some way that we need to restore, that we need to redeem, that we need to uh, suck the nutrients out of or, or leverage to make sure that we get some purpose, give some purpose to all that pain. So for me personally, I, I grew up a uh, the tragic uh, childhood with um, lots of violence in the home and uh, lots of narcotics and alcoholism and uh, uh, um, you know homelessness and sleeping underneath peers and sleeping underneath uh, 
bridges and um, sleeping in the backseat of cars, going from abuse shelter to abuse shelter, lots of violent men in the home. Uh, so there's a little bit about the my upbringings, pretty tragic situations. What age range was that for you child with your childhood? Yeah, I got really bad around uh, probably as early as two or three years old. And uh, it was bad all the way up until uh, college. Mm. So was college something that you were like really looking forward to do and get out of the house and, and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. I, I got a college uh, baseball scholarship just because really in high school, I never wanted to go home. I wanted to be the first one to practice and the last one to leave. I want to do whatever I could to avoid home life. And so even being a below average athlete, when you work really hard and I'm trying to get the approval of my coaches and trying to hear that, that a boy or hear that I'm proud of you. Well, I outworked everybody. And so as a result, got a college scholarship to go to a Christian college. And, um, I was not a believer at the time, went to a Christian college and uh, God knew what he was doing because in the first two weeks there, I heard the good news of Jesus and uh, heard in Psalm 68, where he says, I am the father to the fatherless and uh, didn't even know that existed, didn't know I could have that relationship. And so I went from completely lost, lost spiritually, at least to accepting Jesus and being on fire for Jesus in like one day. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Did you hear that in class or in what? kind of setting did you hear that in and was it something that clicked right away and then kind of what did you do moving forward because of hearing it yeah for me it was a no-brainer for me it was in the chapel and found out about this good news a really good articulate speaker came and kind of broke it down on what it means to to be a believer and have a relationship with jesus and for me it was obvious so from then on out um doesn't mean my life was perfect or free from tragedy but at least I have eternal hope and I had uh, a father to walk with me through the journey and things didn't necessarily get better right away, but at least uh, I could start thinking about purpose instead of so much focus on my pain. Gotcha. Kind of going back to your childhood a little bit and you said it started the, a lot of the bad stuff started maybe when you were as early as two or three, at what point did you kind of realize the severity of the issue or the tragedy of the issue and how bad it really was? You know, uh, those of you that are listening in and maybe you have a similar childhood, but you, as you, you're going through it and you don't know any different, for me, that was my normal. If uh, those of you that are old enough to remember this, but if you're watching one of those really old, I think they called them CRT TVs, one of those ones that were real thick and wide and they had this, uh, I think it's stood for like cathode ray television or something like that. I don't know. But you didn't know anything else existed. You didn't think you were missing SD. You didn't think you're missing HD or 4K or any of that kind of thing in hologram. It's just when you find out, you get a little bit of a glimpse of what could be. Then you're like, oh, that's messed up. Well, I didn't know that was messed up until I had married into uh, my wife's family. And she is actually from, uh, this might be an old reference for some of our listeners, but the Brady Bunch. Now, those of you that can remember the Brady Bunch, but she was grew, grew up in this perfect family, or at least on the outside, it looked very stable. And um, I remember sitting down for the first time ever at a dinner table with a family, and we prayed over the meal, and we all enjoyed good conversation. And that's when I realized, if you're asking the question, when did I realize? That's when I realized, oh, this is another whole way of life. What I've lived to this point has been absolutely jacked up. When do you feel like you know, obviously you have the perspective now that you can find purpose in the pain. 
that you had and the tragedy that you experienced, at what point did you feel like you were able to kind of flip it on its head like that and realize that you could take away positives from all the negatives? At which point, at what point do you feel like you had that perspective? You know, I've always been a person as an adult, at least about this concept of what's called stewardship. And uh, a lot of times when people think of that word stewardship, they think about it in a financial way. Um, you might've heard that word. Maybe those of you that go to church, you may have heard that word when it comes to like some kind of capital campaign, but really I was exposed to that word and defined that word during a season when I worked at Ramsey Solutions under a good friend of mine, Dave Ramsey. And we worked really, really hard at redefining that word. And we defined it as managing God's blessings, God's way for God's glory. And that definition, that word can literally revolutionize your life. Those of you listening in, it's kind of a theme for me. It's a in that definition, it breaks down into three different categories. Managing God's blessings, that's the what. That means everything. It's not just money. That's your time, that's your energy, that's your relationships, that's your sphere of influence. It also includes your baggage. It includes your upbringing, your story, because all of that really is his story, not yours. And then it's, that's the what, all of his blessings, okay, everything in your life. Then the middle part, God's way is the, is the how. So how can we make sure that we maximize it or manage it for his glory, his way by what the Bible says? And so that last part is the, is the why, not for our own glory, not so we can succeed, not so we can be successful, not so we can chase ambition. Not so we can get anything out of it. It's just literally for his glory. And so that's the reason why I wrote this book, Restored, was to give God glory out of a story. The whole book points towards tragedy. And then what I learned from that, and then trying to, as best I can to steward the book, to steward the story, to give God glory. I'm sure there's numerous stories, but I want you to see if you can maybe pick a story from the book or a story from your childhood that you feel like you didn't realize, obviously, at the time that it was going to teach you an important lesson, and then later on, it did. And so what was one of those stories or situations or experiences that you had growing up that really taught you something important that you feel like you apply on a frequent basis? Yeah, there's a one time when I was, and it's so fuzzy to me, you know, when you have a life of tragedy, to forget about ages, but it was somewhere between eight and 10. And I did some like intense research in the book. And I wrote the book quite a while ago. And so the publishing thing takes a while, but somewhere between eight and 10, I forget what we actually nailed it down to. It's just a really fuzzy memory as far as age and chronological time order. But I was sitting at home and uh, we were waiting to go to church. We weren't really a church family, but my grandma was in town. And so we were going to church really to, to take her to church. And uh, I remember that part for sure. Um, and we were sitting there waiting and waiting for my stepdad, dad number two, to come home. And uh, he did indeed come home, came home. He drove his car through the living room. And as soon as he got out, he uh, grabbed my little brother and uh, held my little newborn baby brother. So this makes me think I'm about, I was about eight because there's eight years difference between us and uh, held a knife. Uh, a butcher knife to my little uh, baby brother's neck and uh, was pacing around the house frantic and he was high on something or high or drunk or something or both. And he was just pacing around and he was actually bawling himself. He was scared himself uh, about what he was going to do. And he was just kind of frantic and manic. And uh, he made us all sit in this one side of the house. And uh, while he was just kind of like pacing, wondering what he was going to do, he just really was like out of body experience kind of thing. And then he called the police himself saying, I don't know what I'm going to do i'm kind of freaking out and he called the cops on himself i can remember the sound of all the cars pulling up on the house i can remember the standoff and he's looking out the window and they're saying come out of the house and and then there was this time where i just i snuck out of the back of the house 
went up the driveway and then told the police officers where he was in the house. And uh, so they had some kind of bearings on that situation. And then one of those police officers followed me back into the house through the back door, uh, two of them actually. And uh, they came up behind him. He was at the front door. One person knocked on the front door, one of the police officers to get him to know that he was going to be at the front door. Uh, talking through the front door and uh, two police officers came back behind him. One would grab the knife and way the other one took the back of his hair and pulled him straight backwards onto his back. And so it's one of those situations where you're like, this is not ideal. This is not the way childhood should look. And in that story that I tell the Bible or in the Bible, in the book, I had this little dog. It was the only like only comfort I had in that kind of a lifestyle. This little dog, I don't know what, we just got a new dog. It was brand new. I had it for just a little, like maybe it was a week or a month. And um, I had to give that dog away to the police officer because at that point we drove all the way to California. We knew he'd get out of jail in a couple of days and we wanted to get out of the state. And we, we drove all the way to California and we ended up sleeping underneath the things of Huntington Beach Pier. Um, that's where we slept the next night, but I had to give my dog away. And so those are the kind of tragedies that you're like, how in the world do you suck purpose out of that? And so for me now, I'm a pastor today. I'm 44 years old. I'm a pastor today. And you'd be amazed at how many people come to me with situations where they feel abandoned, where they feel rejected, where they feel like they're the reason for all the strife. They're the reason for all. Maybe my stepdad was all stressed out because of kids. I don't know what the deal was, but you you carry around all that. Now today, I can actually relate. It actually happened today. I can empathize with people that are going through that those same emotions, not necessarily the same circumstances, but the same emotions. And I can tie back to a season where I had to do that, right? To sacrifice this. It sounds like it's funny because it's a little dog. It doesn't mean anything to us, but to a little eight-year-old who just got their first ever pet and the only really companion I had when mom's working three jobs and dad's working two jobs and I just, I'm home alone a lot. That just gives you an example of one of the things that happened in my childhood that were pretty tragic. So what do you think is like, obviously you take purpose away from it now in regards to being able to relate with other people and, and their terrible situations and their tragedies. That's, that's an unbelievable story. Is there anything else that, you know, maybe how, how many, how many dads you said that was dad number two, how many, how many dads were there? Uh, there was uh, dozens of men in the home and there was um, several that were marriages, but uh, yeah, there was just men all the time for three weeks, for three months, for six months, for eight months. So they were just always around. You still have a, is your mom still around? You still have a relationship with her? I uh, know both of my, both of my parents are, um, are no longer with us due to narcotics. Is there anything from maybe like the group of men or any man in particular that you were around that you felt like you learned the most from, like not necessarily in a positive way, but maybe you learned the most from because of something that they did and you didn't want to be like, or anything like that, that you felt like you learned a lot from the ser- the group of men or any individual one? Yeah. You know, growing up, my mom, uh, her choice and men was not to, not necessarily the best. She didn't really pick the best ones. However, I, I will say this, that it, there's this principle called the proximity principle. And I, I'm familiar with some of your past guests. And this may be the wheelhouse of a lot of your past guests because uh, such great, great people have been on the show. But 
This proximity principle is really important of who you hang out with. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good behavior. And I, I really do believe that my mom was a good person, but she was hanging around with the wrong crowd. You may have heard it when you were a kid, but you, you hang out with trash, you begin to smell like it. Or, or maybe you heard something different in your household that maybe we can't talk about on this podcast. But this whole idea of uh, who you hang out with, the proximity principle, it can go either negative, okay, and that's the emphasis of that particular verse, but it also can go really positive. For me, if I'm thinking about where I am today versus my childhood, how did I get there? And I truly believe Jesus used everyday people that have pulled me up instead of pushed me down. Throughout the journey, I have had teachers, I've had coaches, I've had mentors, I've had leaders, I've had bosses throughout the years that have really pulled me up emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially, uh, have done a really good job at teaching me life skills. I obviously had a bunch of gaps in my life when it comes to fatherhood. And uh, who I've surrounded myself with has been a game changer. So although your question about was there any men back then, there really wasn't. It was actually an exact view. I guess how they helped me was so now I have this like visual in my head of what I don't want to be. I feel like I'm a better father today because I saw that. Uh, My fathers were so bad. When I say fathers, I'm talking about dozens of them. They were so bad that I would actually give advice to that. I'd rather have no father than bad ones. So, um, yeah, not really. So give, give us all a little bit more of a overview in regards to timeline. So, you know, you went to, you finally went to college, got out of the home situation, played baseball at a Christian college, and then you found Christ and give us a little bit of timeline between then and kind of then working for Dave Ramsey and Ramsey Solutions. What did that timeline look like and how did you get there? Yeah. So, you know, I um, accepted Christ in college, played uh, four years of baseball there, graduated from college, but I met my wife there before I graduated. And like I said earlier, she come from a real stable, came from a really stable uh, situation. And um, we moved to, close to her family and um, really got to be mentored by her family's household. And so that was my exposure on how to, okay, how do I, when I, we have had three children now and kids, how to be a father and how to be a loving husband and all those kind of things I'd never seen modeled for me and to start our adult life. And so I started teaching and I was a school teacher for a little while and then went into ministry and uh, then went from ministry into Ramsey Solutions, which really is a ministry. I was uh, Dave Ramsey's voice to the church, specifically teaching stewardship and money management to the church in America. And uh, from there, I launched a church. And so I've been in ministry ever since. So God's just put this on my heart all the way from all of that tragedy from the second I accepted the Lord has been this, okay, now what was all that for? Let's try to make sure that we uh, steward that well and give it all purpose because he didn't make me go through all that pain just for me to go through that pain. There's a reason for it. And the same thing's true for everyone listening in. You may be listening in and say, you know what? You don't know my pain, Chris. Uh, My pain is different. And I would just say that that's like the unique syndrome. Everyone thinks that their situation is unique. There's 7 billion people on this planet over the last, you know, for thousands of years, the devil keeps playing the same tricks. Uh, you may have some like micro differences, but it's still the same stuff. It's still, we're all going through the same things. And the bottom line is, is you too can um, leverage the things that have happened in your past to serve and love on people in the future. Your alternative is unforgiveness. Your alternative is bitterness. And uh, 
I, I don't know if anyone says, man, I'm so glad I was bitter for the last 10 years. Did you ever exude bitterness? Like, did you ever, was that ever you? Were you ever that bitter person who was kind of the victim of the situation and was mad about it and let it get the best of you at any point? You know, I've, I've done, I have not gone through this journey uh, perfectly. That is one particular issue I have not had. And there are two reasons why. Number one is, like I said earlier, I didn't know that everything was awful. I was exposed to the next level little by little. Now I look back and it's like, Chris, why were you not bitter through all that? That is awful. You're, you're taking your couch out of the dumpster and putting Febreze on it and you're sitting on it and putting towels down and you think that's, you think that's great. You found a couch, right? That is not normal, right? It's not normal to have end tables that are upside down cardboard boxes and think that you've got furniture. Now I look back, that's crazy. But I didn't go through that. So that's, that's one reason I didn't know any different. I was that poor and I lived in that poor of an area. Uh, the second thing is I didn't know I was hanging around with people that um, had a victor's mentality and not a victim's mentality. Uh, the bottom line is if you're listening in right now and you have a choice on who you hang out with, uh, your, when it comes to finances, for instance, we'll just, we'll just kind of like label it down to one spoke in the wheel. Your income over your lifetime will be within 10% of the 10 people that you hang out with the most. Who are you hanging out with? You may say, man, I need new friends, right? right? You are going to think like the people that you hang out with. For me, I've just never been attracted to people that are saying, poor me, poor me, poor me. I've literally ran into people in the same industry that are doing the exact same industry in the same town at the same time. And I've had one person come up to me and say, man, I can't get ahead in this economy. This economy is awful. It's, it's horrible. In the same industry, at the same time, in the same city, another guy over here says, man, there's so much opportunity all over the place. I can't believe how God's blessing my business. You're going to get what you focus on. Just think about it. When you're driving down the road and you look to the right and you look at a sign or a tree, what happens? You naturally, your car starts bending towards what you're focusing on. We can either focus on the pain and the bitterness of childhood. And I can lean toward that and dwell on that. What's that going to do? Or I can think about what kind of ministry, what kind of impact, whether you're in full-time ministry or you're not, most of you probably aren't, but you can take ministry wherever you're at and you can be somebody who's, you know, I'm going to take that pain in the past and I'm going to give it purpose for tomorrow. Mm, that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. I think that's, I'm super happy for the current version of yourself that the past version of yourself that was uh, surrounded by a bunch of people with the victor's mindset and, and not the victim mindset. And I think that, like you said, the proximity principle is is super important. I try to, that's one of the reasons, you know, why I love having a podcast is I get to be around awesome people like yourself on a, on a regular basis. And so one of the things that I'm super fascinated by is just like what it actually takes to grow as an individual. So let's take, for example, if the version of yourself kind of pre-college and had only experienced the tragedy. And then the version of yourself who was, you know, four years post-college and probably had underwent a lot of trans, uh, transformation as an individual and has re had really grown. And so you went from this maybe lower version of yourself to an upgraded version of yourself. And you said a large part of that was because of the proximity people, because of the people that you were, you were around. But what were some of the other things that you feel like really allowed you to become an upgraded version of yourself and the version of yourself that was able to continually take steps to get you to uh, where you are today. 
We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020, and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it, and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say. Hey, I'm Adam. I joined Nick's 10-week program to get in shape for my wedding. In addition to that, to lose a little bit of weight and to bulk up my chest a little bit. I've lost five pounds, and then I've been able to increase my bench max by 20 pounds. I think the consistency, it's helped me develop better habits and helped me get into the gym five or six days a week and really see the results of my efforts and help keep me accountable throughout the entire journey through the program. You should join Nick's 10-week program. Yeah, well, there's a Patrick Lencioni book that says, it talks and breaks down, uh, it's actually more, I think it's more for hiring and you're looking for team members. And he talks a lot about um, humble, hungry, and smart. You're looking for people that are humble, hungry, and smart. And so if I look back to um, what you're asking me, the things that works for me, I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't put it on paper and go, oh, I think I'm going to be humble, hungry, and smart. I didn't do that. But if I look back, I'm like, okay, the humility of saying, I don't know what I don't know. I'm this, this poor kid from the wrong wrong side of the of the neighborhood. I've never had anything in my entire life. And I just know that I don't, I got a 680 on my SAT. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I got a 680 on my SAT. I'm like, literally, I've got nothing up here. Like I, I am just not a bright guy at all. Like, so I know that about me. So I know that I, I, I there's things that I don't know. And so there's a humility and a curiosity in me, but I'm always picking people's brains of like, okay, how do, how do I do this? this? How do I do that? And I just, I just know that I don't know what I don't know. For me, hungry is a big one. I'm always hungry for growth. I'm not, I'm not content with the way that I was. I'm not content with the way I am now. And I'm always growing. And then I think smart is a little bit more God-given. Smart is just like people smart. Like you just genuinely care about other people. I, I saw one of your podcasts. I think it was, uh, I want to say his name's JJ Reynolds. And it was all about, uh, it was all about not being your hero. Like you're a guide. And so for me, I don't, I think people smart just means, okay, I, I don't want to be the hero. I, I, I want to be the guide for other people. The whole heart behind this podcast is I don't want to be a hero. That's why I'm a little bit uncomfortable talking about my story so much is because I literally, I want to be a guide. I want you guys to be the hero in your own story. And so I think those three things, if you guys, and I hate to steal Lencioni, I'm giving them the credit for it, but humble, hungry, and smart. I really do think those three things have helped me be a better version of myself. I'm always around people asking questions. I'm humble to know that I'm not smart and I know I, I, I'm not, I've not arrived and I never will arrive. And, and I'm hungry. I'm literally wanting to grow. And there's some, there's some self-awareness and some people skills of just saying, Hey, like I know how to interact with people and people smarts have worked for me just because I Genuinely, it's not about me. I genuinely want to add value to others. And so as a result, others have wanted to add value to me. So those things have really worked for me. Yeah. I think that's great. Humble, hungry, and smart. I will uh as I'm starting to build a little bit of a team now at, at Best You. And anytime now I if I go to hire somebody, I'm definitely gonna be thinking about those things. I think that is super key and super, you know, three characteristics that are very predictive of success and predictive of uh, of work ethic and character as well. Let's say that you were, you had the opportunity to speak to the younger version of 
Chris Brown, who is going through everything that you you went through as a child, probably more the the high school version of yourself or maybe in the college version of yourself. What would you say to that person who maybe just for the first time realized like, oh my gosh, this was like terrible. You, you just kind of realized that and had your eyes open to the fact that this was really bad, your situation when you grew up. How, how do you make that person not be bitter and allow that person to move forward and, and try to find purpose in the tragedy of their life that they had experienced. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if, if somebody's, you know, the high school, if they're in a kind of situation where they're in the middle of uh, whatever they're going through, I just say you have a choice. You right now you have a choice. If you're on this cusp, you're in the middle of your pain. Let's just say that he or she just walked out on you. Let's just say that that aunt just absolutely ridiculed you in front of the whole family. Uh, let's just say that possibly you just lost a child. There's lots of things that could be. You may be in the middle of pain. You literally have a choice. You can either go towards worry and bitterness and all these very emotions that literally have no advantage. They have no gain. They have no. They have nothing to do for it. Nothing you can do for it. But because if you choose the other path and you choose, okay, purpose, and you choose to have a positive outlook, however you can, it is so rare today that the fact that you are going to have that kind of countenance during trial, I've got this one person I know, I actually only know them on Facebook now. I used to work with them at Ramsey Solutions. They're on their like 10th or 12th um, treatment of, of, of chemotherapy. I mean, just a beautiful middle-aged woman has this beautiful long hair. And now she's like in her 12th round of chemo. And she goes on Facebook all the time, praising God about how amazing life is and how, how all the things that she's thankful for. She had a choice. She's going through it. Because that's so rare, it is so impactful. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments on every one of her posts that people are touched and inspired by her life. So I'd say you actually, you absolutely have a choice on which direction you go. And for me, I would love to speak to the 17-year-old the Chris and just say, hey, Chris, for me, I just, the guy had his hand on it and he was just kind of driving me. It was no, there was no, I didn't really make a choice. God just kind of protected me and put me in front of the right people. But I would say the same thing myself. Okay, Chris, you could, what's normal to you, you could be a father just like that. You could be a husband just like that. You could be a lack of a provider just like that. You could sell drugs just like that. or you could be rare. You could be different. You could be one of a kind and say, no, the curse ends here. No, not on my watch. Things are going to be different in this next generation. That's powerful. That's powerful. Well, uh, I acknowledge you for, for making that choice. Um, before I ask, or the second to last question, you know, you talked about how growing up without that, with terrible father figures left gaps that, you know, maybe some other people were able to fill because the proximity principle and because you were around some great people who led you in the right direction. Were there any gaps that you potentially had that you feel like maybe haven't been filled yet by other people? Are there still things that you're trying to work through or overcome? Do you feel like because of the situations that you grew up with? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, all of us, uh, and now that I do pastoral counseling, I can see it in couples all the time. And it's, it usually comes down to you're, you're in, in, a, in a marriage uh, situation or a parenting situation, and you are actually leading. You're actually living out of your old baggage. 
Uh, some of those examples for me was anytime I was in any kind of conflict resolution, I was a what's called a stonewaller. Uh, not necessarily anger, not manipulation, but I was a stonewaller. So the second that there's conflict for me, I completely shut down, like some kind of defense mechanism or protection mechanism where I would completely shut down. You're not getting to me. I am literally an emotional rock and you're not going to get to me. That's not good for a marriage. It took me like five or six years to actually get over that. Uh, some other baggage is I, I literally get really, really, really angry when I see my kids showing any kind of entitlement or any kind of like spoiled tendencies because they've had such a good upbringing. That's not fair to them that dad had an awful upbringing that I throw that on them and say, you guys don't understand how spoiled you are. That's just not fair uh, to do that to them. I can point out the concept of entitlement. That's one thing. But to get overly angry because the difference between the way they grew up and the difference between the way I grew up, now that's not fair. So we got to recognize no matter what you're listening, we all have baggage. You may not have my baggage. Another one, scarcity. I have a scarcity mindset. If there's food out and there's food, there's a big, huge buffet table for 12 people. I'm, I'm, <laughs> my wife really has to keep me in check on this because it still rears its head every once in a while. But uh, I will just pound and slam food like there's no tomorrow. She's like, Chris, you do know there's other people here. She's like, you're like 35 years old. You're 38 years old, occasionally 44 years old. She's like, honey, you don't have to eat it all. You don't. It's okay. You can throw away one little sliver or one little crumb. And so I've got this scarcity mindset of like making sure that uh, we're never going to get another meal. Well, that was like over 25 years ago. Chris, you can relax a little bit. So our baggage does show up. We just have to know and recognize it. And um, we got to ask for help. Sometimes you got to ask for outside help to point it out. Mm. Well, that's that's great. I think it says a lot about you for being uh, aware enough to uh, to be able to recognize those situations and, and do your best to to work through them. But I'm aware of the time that we have, so I want to right before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge you, Chris. For I mean, I only obviously heard bits and pieces of your story, and I'm excited to read more and restored. But for you to be able to come from the tragedy of your childhood that you came to and take on the correct choice of moving in the right direction and not take on the bitterness, not take on the victim mindset, but take on the victor mindset and follow the people who led by, who did lead by example. Um, I just think that it's super impressive that you were able to kind of come from where you were to now where you are. And it definitely is rare to use the word that you said. So that's awesome, man. Mm. Well, thank you. Of course. Well, I know, I know everybody's going to, going to want to go learn more about your story because I'm super intrigued to go learn more. So restored, uh, it's going to be coming out late, uh, late March. So make sure you guys, I'll make sure it all gets linked up by the time it comes out and everything like that, but restored transforming the story of your past into purpose for today. You can also follow Chris on Instagram at Chris Brown on air, and you can visit his website, chrisbrownonair.com. Is there any other good place that people can go learn more about you? No, no, just uh, all the way up till March 29th. It's available for pre-sale everywhere they sell books. So if you want to pre-sale, you can. If not, wait for it to come out. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, Chris. Well, last question is, I think that getting closer to the best version of ourself is both a constant journey. I'm not sure if we ever get to the best version of ourselves, And I also think it's a very unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, 
if there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to that best version of Chris Brown that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Oh, number one, there's my, my, my theme verse. Um, the one that I really try to live by, the one that inspires me the most is Proverbs 11.25. That says the generous will prosper. And it says those who refresh others themselves will be refreshed. And for me, this whole idea of generosity and not just money, but it does include money, is this just being generous and being about others. Uh, even if you're going through a bunch of pain and going through a bunch of heartache, the best way to refresh your soul, as much as the society tells you today that we're supposed to be all oh, soul care, all oh, personal care, all oh, soul care, there's a place for that. But if you really want to refresh yourself, go serve some people and you will not be as refreshed any other way than serving other people. So generosity would be one. Two would be uh, <laughs> to uh, be more humble. I mentioned that that worked for me in the past. You know, pride is sneaky. Um, I would say that everybody listening in here, everyone, I, this is a bold statement. I don't even know who everyone is. You had a pride, you had a proudful moment today. Like it just does. It sneaks up, whether it's a critical spirit, which when, you know, criticizing someone, it actually elevates you. So you criticize someone so that you're a bigger deal. Right. And so we don't do it on purpose, but pride is in us. I mean, every time that's something's wrong when everyone that goes faster than us is an idiot and everyone that goes slower than us is the moron. There's something wrong in traffic when everyone's an idiot or a moron. That's pride. And so for me, it's it's humility. Pride is sneaky. Pride never announces its arrival. And so for me is to be a little bit more humble, uh, actually a lot more humble. Uh, what is true humility? True humility is dying on a cross that you created. Uh, dying on a hill that you created. There's there's humility. And uh, Jesus modeled that for us. Number three, this is a tough one. I wasn't expecting this one. Let's see here. Number three is to um, I have more margin. Yeah, I think it, uh, one of the biggest things for not just me, but for many of us is uh, we carry busyness as a badge of honor when really it should be a code red. It should be a code alert, uh, a red alert. Um, we're not loving the way that we should love. We're not experiencing nature like we experience nature. We're not connecting with God. Those of us with people, you know, those of us that are people of faith, you're not connecting with God like you should. Um, so we all need more margin, Nick. I, I, that's a big one for me. Awesome. Yeah, those are three great things. And there's no doubt about, there's no doubt about that. But Chris, that was awesome, man. I can't wait for, to get restored myself. And I know everybody... A lot of people are going to go pre-order it right now as well. Go, Guys, go get Restored by Chris Brown and follow him on Instagram and go check out his website and everything like that as well. But Chris, that's all we got today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I was completely blown away by this episode with Chris. I'm just so grateful that he found his way out of the terrible situation that he was in and he has made so much out of his life already. Make sure you guys go order a copy of Chris's new book called Restored how to transform the sting of your past into purpose for today. And be sure you go follow Chris on Instagram at Chris Brown on Air. Y'all, this podcast was literally so inspiring to me and I hope it was for you as well. As I've grown up, I've continued to realize how blessed and thankful I am and how blessed and thankful I should be because of the upbringing that I had. And that was a super apparent and a great reminder yet again today. But for Chris, for him to be able to take the tragedy of his childhood and now serve people, because of where he's come from and what he's experienced, that to me is just so inspiring. He is undoubtedly a rare case and a rare individual to have to have become the person that he is today 
based on of where he's come from and the things that he's experienced in the past. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure you share it with a friend or a family member and be sure you leave it a five-star rating and review if you haven't yet already. But for now, it's time. It's time to go out and have a victor's mindset. It's time to be more generous. It's time to be more hungry, humble, and smart so that you can continue to get closer and closer to your best. Best.